0: afternoon, whenever you're listening, you're listening to the right podcast because you're listening to the Flames Fancast. This is episode 48. Welcome and we hope you're having a good day. Uh, lots going on in the hockey world recently, so this will be a, a loaded one, that's for sure. But I mean, lots going on with the Flames, lots going on with hockey in general. Uh, we've got our contest details coming up for episode 50, so make sure you're listening for that. What you'll really want to do is check out Twitter and around the time when we release episode 50 for the ticket giveaway. Info will be released then, but uh, make sure you're listening for details around that. We've got a bit of a special one for you tonight. We have Jank, our usual guy, who's uh, on here with me. He's just nodding his head. He's not really saying anything right now. And we have Mike Harris with us tonight. Uh, he's going to talk hockey with us. And uh, I, this has been, uh, I think he's been looking forward to this for about three years. Yeah, it's dream come true. Dream come true. I mean, it doesn't really get much better than this. This is the pinnacle of your life. How does that That's feel? It.
1: Uh, you know, I've, I've struggled to reach the top, but I'm here. So it feels good. It feels good being here. Well,
0: I mean, between the next uh, 35 to 55 minutes, however long this is, I hope you relish this and enjoy this moment because uh, it just, you've peaked. Yeah, homelessness is around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, I want to ask you both, and we'll start with Cenk first, um, right now, what is your gut feeling about the Flames?
2: I think, uh, I think everything
0: is uh, mentally broken
2: in the dressing room at this point. Uh, I think the biggest issue right now is our star is not stepping up to the game. Johnny is looking like a shadow of his former self for the last two, three seasons. Uh, I don't know what's going on, if it's something mental going on, or if he's just kind of beating himself up too much. but. He's not even doing the things that he was doing defensively that would, you know, change the momentum of the game. So, for example, he would chase guys down, lift their stick, kind of like Datsukish, get the puck, then start an attack that way. You know, more times than not, he wouldn't actually skate away from a 50-50. He would at least get a stick involved. He would, like, get somewhat physical. Not really, but not to the point where now he's just doing this, like, kind of half-assed poke with the stick. And then kind of doing this turnaround, he's not getting engaged in the game. He looks unfocused. He's not invested. And it just, it just seems like he's pouting a bit on the bench, too, when things aren't going his way. And we've seen that before. We've seen that when he first signed that mega contract that he was not happy with. And I think that's the biggest problem right now is that he, I think he's just hit a mental block.
0: I mean, I have, th- I have two things to say tonight. One. I agree with you in the fact that perhaps the hunger isn't there right now necessarily, but I mean, I don't think that's a two or three year problem. I mean, last year he put up 99 points. Uh, I think this year we're definitely seeing a different player. And yes, I'd agree with the fundamental principle that Goudreau is not what we hoped him to be, not what we expect him to be, and not what we need him to be. But I mean, at the same time, I'm finding it very, very difficult to defend the guy and find, for lack of a better term, I guess sympathy and even reasons to like him, like his my disappointment in him grows game on game on game, and I don't know if Mike, if you have any sentiments that echo that or if you're completely against the grain on this one, but
1: yeah, I mean, like I think right on the right on the head there with he had that fire of coming back and lifting that stick, and you would see that it wasn't like you're expecting him ever to catch up to the person, but he was sneaky in the way that he was able to pull that puck away um in terms of relating that to what he put up in points last year, I think it's something that I would rather see him get back on the play and actually put that effort in um, and see what he could actually make out of his own defensive play as opposed to it just being purely offensive. Because the reality is, what did that 99 points translate to in the playoffs with? and how is he rebounding from that playoff run that he had that wasn't necessarily successful that's going to re-amplify him into a point where he can be effective both dis- defensively and offensively. Yeah,
2: and, and I wasn't saying that he was playing poorly last year. I'm just saying that we got accustomed to a guy that almost got 100 points. Uh, We thought that he turned it around last year because the season before that was the season where he was like, oh, woes me, fuck, like, what a shit contract. I, like, I, you can tell that he was not into it in the first 10, 15 games, right? And then he turned it around. Last season was the first bona fide performance of a star that is willing to put the team on his back, get his 99 points, and do well. Uh, disappointed in the playoffs, absolutely. Like, him, him and everybody else. The only guy that showed up, ironically, was, like, Mike Smith and, and Bennett, basically, right? And Bennett, again, he's that playoff guy that we always need. But back to Goudreau, I think the biggest problem right now is that he's also a reflection of what's going on in the dressing room. It's not just him. You know right? It's Monaghan is not he's never been an exciting player, but he's he just doesn't look engaged either. Lindholm's playing alright. Um you look at the second line, Kachuk is really the only reason why. Second line was doing something, and he's masking what has been a, a below-average performance by Backlund this year. But Backlund has been reaping the benefits playing with him. Frolik has been on the fringe on the team, and manjapani got moved up to the second line because Frolik has just been—I uh, don't know if there's a, something going on with him and Peters still, but there's that. Jankowski shadow of himself from last year. He had what, like four, five, or six like shorthanded goals. He was—he found that niche game. He's not even, like, fucking putting the effort in the penalty kill. Although our penalty kill is better this year, uh, percentage-wise. It's, it's, it's funny. It's the guys that were rumored to be traded that are just sucking, basically. Jankowski, leak. and we won't really get too much to Brody considering the circumstances right now, but he was on the block too, and it, I, I just don't think it's a coincidence that these guys are not playing that well.
0: Well, I mean, do you think that perhaps— Last year was a bit of a, an anomaly or a freak performance. Or are we expecting too much of Johnny and Co for them to be, averaging you know ninety some points a year? Uh, was that a performance that was a bit above average for them, or is that the norm?
1: Or maybe are we expecting too much out of who they actually are as players? Well, that's
0: I think that yeah pretty like much. Three, yeah, thank you. No, you're I welcome. Just, you're, Anytime.
1: I you. I, yeah, rephrasing it. Um. I mean, the reality is like... Johnny Did they overachieve, right? Was that an overachieve? No, no, year? I don't think so. I, but well, how I, come I, we're not seeing that this because year? Because I don't think they're the type of players that, that are the ones that should take the lead in terms of the focus of the team. I think... Okay,
0: well, I mean, we have no one else who can fill that role. No, I
1: know. But like, if, you're, like, if we're expecting them to be the ones that take the team to the next level, I don't think they're the ones that are necessarily going to be the ones.
0: So let me ask you this then. I, I get your point, but is that management's fault for not addressing that or is that just that this was the hand we were dealt and we're doing the best we can
1: oh it's management's fault for sure because johnny gaudreau was a fourth round draft pick he wasn't even expected to produce the amount of stuff he's producing at this point in terms of his points uh in terms of what he's able to do offensively nobody was actually expecting that so if he wasn't as good as he ended up being now as he is where would we be? Based yeah, on yeah. Those so I
0: guess I guess to further your point, what what is the fact then that what was the plan if we didn't luck out with Goudreau in the fourth round?
1: I don't know. What was the plan if we didn't I'd luck out revive with revive Chuck Tolbusu? Right? Yeah, I guess Or I'd, Brody. Like I mean, realistically, he was fourth
0: round too. Well, I mean, I mean, you're looking at an alter, alternate universe here where another player might have that opportunity on the first line or with those extra minutes, and they could step up. Perceivably so, but it just so happens that Johnny and Gio took those moments, I guess. Johnny's progression into this team was rapid. Like, he played a couple games in the the season before his, I guess, rookie season. And everyone looked at him like, this guy's got to be on our team immediately. Nice. And then he was a bona fide player, first-line player for us shortly after that. I don't know if Geo's integration was quite the same, but, I mean, when we look at the current team and the current dynamic, I wonder how many problems are emergent and how many are systemic and have been lingering causes. Because, li- I, like I've been saying episode and episode over and over again, those playoffs, those five games against Colorado, really damaged me as a fan. And I'm wondering if we're still seeing the lingering effects of the damage to the club and to the players because that absolute walloping that we took. And then, you know, just for example, last night, you just watched Colorado get wrecked by Edmonton. By Edmonton, I mean Connor McDavid. And that's got a sting too, especially since you're looking at one player completely undressed that entire team who completely undressed us during the playoffs. They made our players seem like ghosts. And I know, I know it's been very damaging to me and hopefully not for any of you because that would just be an awful experience, I can tell you firsthand. But, I mean, sometimes I just look at this and say, what's the way forward? And we'll get into it later, but perhaps with a more drastic result, but it's pretty tough. Yeah, mentally broken, as as Jenk would say. Yeah,
2: and like I think, If you listen to the post-game interviews or maybe even, like, post-practice interviews, there was one with Riddick, I think it was three days ago, and he was, like, you can tell that he was just, like, very upset with the level at which our guys are competing. Like, it was after practice, and he was kind of, like, he had this, like, defeated look, like, we just have to play harder and better. And the way he said it, it was kind of like, like what, what the fuck are these guys doing? Like a lot of them are passengers. Um, everyone can have bad stints. Everyone can perform poorly. It it happens. But there's something lingering. I think right now. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I just feel like we're at a point right now. Johnny's skill is uncontested. It's high. It's elite. His hands are elite. His his IQ of the game is elite. His effort, however, has been like a C minus. It comes down to effort with these guys. Even like Brody last game, um, he made a couple passes that were just Aaron passes, right? And he kind of just looked at the sky like after he made those, and he's like, fuck me. But in fairness, I think someone should have been there for him. And it's just like guys are just kind of like looking around, whatever. Every time you see Kachuk come on the ice, you know he's going to do something. You know he's involved. He's, he's going to hit someone, piss somebody off. He took that shot to the leg. He could barely skate. He wanted to be on the fucking next shift. Like, do you think that the other guys that are being passengers right now want to go back on the ice when they're fucking hurting? They're probably like, no, get me back to dress. Massage this shit out. Kachuk's like, no, fuck that. Get me back out there. I need to get a goal. But that's that's the difference right now. And there's only like two guys on the team that are doing that. It's Riddick and Kachuk, really what it comes down to. I'd like to add Gio to that list, but honestly, Gio hasn't been that great either. But, he, you know, he's our captain. I have a hard time saying anything about it, but it's just what I see.
0: I mean, I think the kind of player we have in Kachuk, it's going to be hard to compare anyone's effort or output in a game to him because he's such a competitor. I agree. I agree. But I mean, even Johnny at maximum effort, do you see, could you, you see that? Does it look the same as it does Kachuk with maximum effort? I don't think so. I I just, I don't think it does. And I mean, we're not seeing Johnny at maximum effort. And whatever, for whatever reason, it's not. But I think going forward, we need to build this team around Kachuk. Because he's, it looks like he's the heartbeat and the pulse of this team pushing it forward. And you've got, for lack of a better term, fringe superstars around him who are. I don't know what else to call them. Like they're, they're not fringe. no, but they're they are. They're fringe superstars. Like, are they at the front and center of everything that's going on with this team? <laughs> 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 they're, they're not. <laughs> like, yeah. if you were, I wish they were. Yeah, well, go go ahead, jump right in, right? I
1: like. I don't know. Like for fringe superstar being the term, I think that it's just they're not.
0: They're superstar players, but they're almost on the periphery at this point.
1: They're just not in the place where they need to be no, to be no, but fully. How long? How long can their, we wait? I don't know. And I, I honestly, going back to that management aspect, is is that team built for those two players to be as good as they can be? Like, I mean, if you look at somebody like Patrick Kane, for example, you need that John Tays in front of them.
0: Absolutely. But I mean, how long has it been since this team was begging for that right winger to play with Johnny and Monty?
1: But but maybe Johnny and Monty's not a good spot
0: for the best right winger. And if we haven't figured that out then we're royally fucked. Yeah. Like we're all, screwed. Yeah, if yeah, that's the problem, uh, yeah. we're hooped. Like that was our that was our MO for years. All we just need that key right wing player. And then along comes James Neal, who got supplanted by Lindholm right away. And it didn't matter. Flames fans thought we had it. We had a great season. We were first in the West. And then we absolutely got rocked
1: so just, in the playoffs. So just a question for you then. What are the abilities and skills that makes that right-wing player the best fit for Johnny? Honestly,
0: like, it it, it probably—why not Kachuk? Exactly. But but, no, but we never gave worked. Kachuk that chance— I just don't know if they gel on that level. And that's why I'm saying, like your point about Kane, I'm pretty sure Kane plays on the second line yeah, in Chicago. Totally. And, and
1: that's that's why he's so successful. Is yeah. he's matched up against like how do you match up against that top line and then what like in their prime, how do you match up against those two top lines? But that's what that's, Johnny You've needs.
0: got Taves carrying two mediocre players on the first line and basically just, you know, coming out average on points but attempt basically attempting to shut down those lines and it worked for them four or five years ago it hasn't worked since because they've gotten a bit older they've lost some key components and chicago like their d which one is it seabrook seabrook has one of the worst contracts in the nhl oh he's dead yeah he has one of the worst contracts in the nhl i think duncan keith is a little bit better but he's not far from the seabrook level just a little bit better right I mean, yeah. we're talking worse than Troy Brower here, yeah. which was, that bad. Was, that
1: was, that was bad, bad, that was bad.
0: bad contract. Was bad. Like worse than Lucic, worse than Neil. Well, I don't think anyone's Lucic might be the worst, but
2: <laughs> I hate that I have to like fucking lean over on the couch to get the microphone fr- away from you. Fucking bad mouthing Lucic. You gotta check yourself, man. I like said anything
0: bad about Lucic. <laughs> I just said it's. Yeah, but
2: that's not our contract that we've, we've negotiated. That, like it basically is. I know, but you can't. I, again, that was the best trade that we had available. There was nothing else. So you wanted to keep fucking James Neal? Okay, th- your silence is enough for me to. You've conceded on that one. They, there is no way you can get anything out of James Neal other than that trade. Maybe, ma- maybe Louis Erickson, but I would that rather, works, right, works. I would rather Lucic because he, he's a deterrent for bullshit. So when he got suspended for two games, our guys were getting fucking manhandled r- physically. I don't know if you noticed that. They were getting physically fucking hit and manhandled. Could Johnny got hit on the boards. Nobody came in and defended him. Nobody did anything about that play. That was that Nashville game where it looked very, like, innocent. It didn't look like a big hit. But Johnny came off looking like he broke his arm. And who fucking stepped in? Nobody. And Nashville can get away with that because who is going to come in there? I don't want Bennett to keep doing that because Bennett is not, like, he's a tough guy and whatever, but he's not the guy to do that. Kachuk, he is a lot more important doing fucking between-the-legs-stick fucking goals for us than to come in and try to beat up some guy that's, like, double his size. Right? That's why you need. He's a deterrent. So you get way more utility out of Lucic. Sure,
0: sure. But can't we have a deterrent at 700,000 instead of 5 point some million or 6 some million? Okay,
2: but there is nothing we could do there. Is the guy going to take a fucking pay cut? Oh, yeah, you know what?
0: Just take half my money back. You know, like we can't. There's nothing we can do about that. I guess my point is I want to get away from bruising contracts, if that's at all possible, because we seem to go from bruising contract to bruising contract. We really got out of the Michael Stone situation. I mean, it wasn't that bad because he was only owed one year, but the club took a financial loss to take a salary cap uh, decrease. So we lost money, which we didn't seem to care about, which is good. I, I, I'd i hope the Flames do that to keep salary cap space because we re-signed Stone at 700000 right? But, I mean, wow, Lucic is chewing up a large chunk of change and there's no real way out of this shit sandwich man everyone's fucking taking a chomp out of that thing all the time like taking the micro f- the microphone away we had no choice every team's got a fucking
2: yeah. bullshit contract no yeah
0: no yeah no, we
2: have yeah, no we everyone everyone has a bullshit
0: contract okay all i'm saying is perhaps it like it was worth and perhaps hindsight here, looking at how Neal is playing, it might have been worth giving another season.
1: N- I don't know if you want to. Maybe. I don't know about that. Please because chime in. Honestly, like if we're going to look at some player that's doing good in another place, and then we're going to say we should have him implant him into the line and he's going to be successful, that's exactly what didn't happen. With exactly. No, that so, it's not a good and step. that's that, that is that right wing spot. If nobody's succeeding in that spot, and then they leave, go to another place, and all of a sudden are succeeding at a high rate. Is that on what's happening on that line? Yeah. Or is that happening specifically with that player just having a shitty year? And because and it wasn't Neil, like, the way he was communicating in every facet except points was that he, w- like, no, w- yeah, like, he was not here.
2: And, and mind you, he, he's on the power play getting most of those goals. Yeah. And now he's not on the power play. And look what he's done. And I would much rather have a Lucic go in there
1: than see Travis Hammondick get knocked out and break his jaw again. Because he's the only guy that actually gives a fuck enough to, act- to stand up for a guy that gets rocked. Like, oh, that's sad okay. when Hammondick's your only guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, sure. I think the Flames, I think that speaks to the general Flames' lack of toughness, which is. Uh, apparent to everyone apparent, yeah. and perhaps lack of what's the word I'm looking for here a uh, passion in game yep like maybe you know as you referenced earlier in the evening to me Calvert fought Cassian yeah not out of uh calculation but out of pure passion and aggression and rage in that moment oh he hit my superstar player i'm pissed like i'm not thinking in that moment i'm 50 pounds lighter than that guy I'm thinking in that moment, that son of a bitch is gonna die at my hands. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna go after him, right? And sure, he got his ass handed to him. Absolutely. But it was the mentality, it totally. was the action that totally. went forward there. And say what you will about any of the flames, I don't know. Rather, I know that's there. We're just not choosing to activate that.
1: I don't like. I don't know. I don't like. For me, when Jankowski
0: Calvert, could do that,
1: n- but Jankowski won't. That's but he, he could. hasn't ever. But he could. He might as well be Joe Colburn <laughs> with a little less skill. <laughs> like realistically, the guy's six foot five, and he plays smaller than Gaudreau. Like, come on, man. At I'm least Kudrow can indeed. lift a stick. Like, but,
0: okay, well, then why isn't your coaching staff saying to Jankowski, hey, man, you're on the fourth line. Nothing's really going your way. Maybe time to throw your weight around a little bit. What's he just like, oh, Peters, no thanks, bro?
1: I don't know. Is that what I happens?
0: Have, I would rather have Buddy
1: Johnson from the AHL who's six foot six and looks like he's ready to go with anybody to be on a fourth line than Jankowski, who is a first-round like, first pick, to be out there playing like he can dance when he can't. The reality I, is like.
2: I totally agree.
1: It's so frustrating watching that guy play. And even if you're good at penalty killing and you're six foot five. Of course you are. You can reach half the length of the ice with your stick.
2: I'm so glad this guy agrees with me. Because I feel like I'm fucking crazy on this podcast sometimes when I'm saying shit. I agree. The guy's huge. Why isn't he getting in there and getting physical? He's got like gets last body. And he's not even, like, use. I'm not saying he's Getzlaff, but, like, he can be, like, a poor man's version of it, like, in a way. Like, oh. if he just mentally got himself into the game like that, again, if it's something that's just, like, he's not built for, fine. Yep. fine. But find the niche that you need to be an NHL player.
1: And who's done that and been successful on the team so far? Bennett. That's it. He was first round. He was the same as Jankowski. Yep. And
2: he shifted and adapted. Yeah, Jankowski found it last year, but he's not he's not developing the game since no. though. No. The, that's there's been him and Bennett. Yeah. Bennett continues to develop his game. He tries. So the the only difference is okay, points-wise Bennett it's very inconsistent. I get that. I get that. I'm not I'm, and for a first rounder, he's our highest first rounder in our franchise history or something like that. We probably have to double check that. But for a guy that was our highest first rounder in our franchise history, yes, should be commanding more points. I get it. But at least he's adjusting because he knows he can't do it. He, so he's like, I'm going to get him there and fucking fight these guys like he did last year. I'm going to be a fucking big-time player, and he is a big game player. He shows up in the playoffs, and every playoffs that that guy's been in, he's been our most consistent player. Yeah. So he's worth the price of admission for that. He's never going to command a contract beyond, like, five mil ever at this rate so you know you take what you can with that
0: i mean, I just want to add to the point about players finding their niche on the flames and i think we're overlooking lindholm here because lindholm came in had the opportunity on the first line and absolutely ran with it and he found that ability to find his niche on that first line as well as an elite penalty killer and i mean peters relies on him in so many aspects of the game Additionally, the fact that he can play center, take faceoffs, things like that. I mean, impressive that a player that we signed to a contract sub-5 million has found such success in a Flames role uh, playing there. And I mean, it's no easy way to take a, li- a role on the first line when you've supplanted James Neal, who came in and was supposed to be on that line. You're put in there and you ran with it from day one, didn't even give him a lick a look in on that chance. I mean credit to him. Like that's that's ex- extraordinarily imp- impressive. But I look at Jankowski's kind of niche that he has to fill. It's the pressure on him is a lot less. Kill some penalties, kill them well, take a chance shorthanded, use your size. Those are all things that seem a lot easier than, you know, put points on the board every night like Lindholm's expected to do. And I just think it's just disappointing especially looking at the faith the flames have shown in Jankowski not to mention the patience how it hasn't panned out in that essence and like you know we've gone through players like Colburn like Boma that we've shipped out and haven't had much to say for themselves elsewhere but uh we've had a ton of patience for Jankowski and I think you know maybe somehow being repaid a little bit by doing something a bit out of your comfort zone might be in order here, but who knows? A- Anyhow.
1: A- I'd, I'd, like, for me, it's if Jankowski was able to utilize his size and he played with a fire level that was equal to Bennett, can you imagine that on a third line? Like, with that size and then... Like I do it every mentality. night. When I go to
0: sleep, I dream about it. Yeah, but yeah, it never really comes it true. It never
1: comes true. I know. It's a disappointment every time I watch it, too. And it's just so annoying to see that, like, this guy who has the talent that if he had size and utilized it, he would be so much more valuable. Because, like, if you see a guy that has size, throws it around, plays on the third line, like, if you can remember the New York Islanders, Matt, Matt Martin, Casey Sezikas, and Clutterbuck for, for that two or three years, and how effective they were in changing the momentum of a game. Even if it wasn't necessarily due to a goal,
0: but I mean, I think sometimes you find these elements of chemistry that are created, and other times you find these elements of chemistry that are just stumbled upon. And but that comes down to the players, doesn't it? Absolutely. But adaptation, whatever it? it is about this group of players that we've got right now, my confidence in us stumbling upon a successful set of three or four lines of chemistry is not high. Right. And Perhaps that speaks to the lack of line juggling that this club actually goes through. Oh, we're going to change things up. We change them up for about 15 seconds, and then it's back to plan A. And like, oh, uh, Johnny, Monty, and Lindholm. And like, no, no, mix it up. Like, go crazy. Like, try something new. It,
1: it is also shitty, too, that like the, the way that we almost treat lines, especially here, is on like that hierarchy scale, where it's like the fourth line isn't as valuable. Yeah. When the fourth line in some situations needs to be more valuable. And well, when we watch <laughs> Gaudreau, the main thing that fucks him up the most is when somebody's aggressive with him. Well, and it's I, I think it's, it
0: starts with the coach, right? I think our coach has no faith in our fourth line. Because I remember the game we played against St. Louis, and they talked about Craig Berube. First of all, Craig Berube, of all people, being a successful NHL coach, one, never thought it would happen, two, good for him. Ex-flames guy, but. I mean, I watched that game and they talked about how St. Louis always starts their fourth line just to set the tempo. But it was a culture that was built in that club that says, we have four lines that we can run at you at any time. And, you know, we're not a team that's going to pay a superstar 10, 11, 12 million. We're looking at paying our guys 7 million, but we're expecting all four lines to contribute equally. And we're going to give them equal opportunity throughout the evening. And I just don't think that's true in the flame sense. I mean, our fourth line, when they come on, I'm I'm dreading it. I'm dreading it, frankly, just because, A, the the lack of faith the club shows them, the lack of faith especially Peter shows them, and the culture that we've built within the club. I think we've become like a real first-line team, and we're relying on that first line like we did a lot last year, but it's just not panning out this year. And we've been bailed out a lot of the times by Kachuk, and other players who come up with moments of brilliance, like that Hammonick goal, was it against St. Louis? I mean, great goal, but that, that is an absolute fluke play, play. That's a failed dump that comes in somehow off the post, bounces right out front to him, and he backhands it in. Now you tell me how many times a season is Travis Hammonick going to get an unassisted goal? Yeah, not that often. N- no, once. Maybe. That was the one time that that happened and that just so happened to be a third-period game-tying goal where we took it to overtime. I think we took a penalty, and it was over, or whatever. We didn't, like, we got our point, and we seemed content with that. But, but I, and,
1: and, and I think that comparison with St. Louis is really valuable in terms of if you look at who they were looking at for leadership last year during the playoffs, who was it? O'Reilly. Like, you look at O'Reilly, and he's the guy that's almost the exact opposite of who we have on our team. But who would have thought it well. would have been
0: O'Reilly, right? You
1: go, but, like, you have to see the value in a person like that. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: And and we don't do it because we're a season-driven league. And then as soon as it gets to playoffs, the guys like O'Reilly are the ones that step up because they're willing to adapt. They're willing and, to go onto the ice. And our, our guy is
0: Bennett, but Bennett is no O'Reilly at this point.
1: But, yeah, and, and like, it's just... We're not going to rally. Like, no. You watch a Monaghan interview, and there's a reason there's a Twitter feed that follows it. <laughs> right? I mean, you don't... Is it
0: called Very Entertaining Monaghan? Is
1: that the one? incredibly, incredibly satisfying to read. When you read it, it changes your world a little bit.
0: Are you promoting someone else's Twitter on our show? This is kind of bullshit, I guess No, say.
1: you can uh, link and find the link through our Twitter, <laughs> and uh, it's a primary... Primary medium for that. So, by yeah. the way,
0: our Twitter is at Flames Fan Just in case you know, I think we're like close to the two hundred follower mark. So we're hitting like monetary levels on Twitter now. Yeah, like it, big time. It's close. It's yeah. We're about, the email. we're about. We're <laughs> about. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're about to have advertisements on here. We're so popular. Like <laughs> Adrenaline
1: Source for Sports. We're uh we're open for biz. We're, we're gonna
2: have like Rogaine fucking advertisements because everyone that's lis- listening to us is losing their hair. Um, no, they're pulling it out Okay, they're pulling they're it out I feel you. Okay, can we just stop looking at the ground and get through this awkwardness here? Uh, what's what's uh I gotta,
0: I gotta, You know, you guys, you can say quickly, I just think that the club handled the whole Brody situation well. and with a bunch of class, Uh Living handled it well. We gave out a lot of thanks and applause to our medical crew. The whole team went to visit him in the hospital. Um, you know, I know you addressed that we were mentally broken, and I definitely don't disagree with you, but, I mean, it looks like we definitely rallied around a player who had a really, really unfortunate circumstance happen to him, and I'm impressed with that. Um, I think that's all we really need to say on it. We've got – we had the Stars game, which was depressing. I mean, you were there, Cenk. Um, We'll hear your thoughts on that. We've got Arizona coming up, but, I mean – being in the building for the Stars game. Um <laughs> Sorry, we
2: keep moving the
0: fucking microphone.
2: Um maybe we should buy a third one. Um that was a depressing game uh for many reasons, but I think the main problem again is that like somehow Dallas always has our fucking number. And I don't know if it's the chemical makeup of the Stars Versus our chemical makeup. We just can't seem to get it together with them. But they just outwork us. Outplay us. And they outsmart us. So on our power plays. Once again. We do our fucking drop pass to Johnny. Drives me crazy. And they just. They did that wall of stars players again. On the blue line. And we just didn't get creative enough. Again. So this is a team. And any team that does any type of analysis. Toward our club. They just figured this shit out, and they render us useless on the power play. Fucking useless. So, again, the Stars played well. Can't take that away from them. They're, they're getting actually – they're heating up lately, so I wouldn't be surprised if these guys go on a bit of a streak. Our guys, again, like I said earlier, there's something broken with the mentality of this team. Goudreau looked a little bit broken. Monahan was just not involved, and actually Monahan looked injured at one point. Every whistle, uh, every TV timeout, I my buddy and I noticed he would get off the bench and just skate around. And he would have no gloves on, and he would sit there and like kinda like kinda rub his like hamstring a little bit. Like something's up with him. Like he
1: actually have a facial expression?
2: Well, he kinda stared into the sky. Oh, okay. just like yeah, okay, he's just good. Like,
1: good, good. He's know. probably fine. He's yeah. probably just he's
2: probably on. okay, but I found it. Weird that he did it almost every TV timeout. I, I was kind of keeping a mental clock on that. I was like, okay, this has happened almost every time, so something's fucking up. And I don't know if you've if you were listening to us maybe last year, but what was going on in my head? And this is the most unpopular, like this is the most like backlash I've gotten on this show. But I said we need to trade Monahan because there's something. This injury-proneness that he has is actually long-term not sustainable for us. There's, we need to get the value out of him now before he has zero value. Because there is something that he keeps getting fucking injured. And it, nobody says anything. And then when the playoffs come by, half his body looks like it's inflated because he's got all these like pads everywhere like protecting him. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, he scored a goal, all good, because he's just smart. He knows where to be. He's a sniper. Like, he, he's always in the right spot at the right time. That's why he gets his 30 goals every season. He's incredibly good at reading the game. Anything else, though? Effort, speed, getting involved in the play, all those things have steadily dropped over the years. He is not getting involved at all. He's not getting as aggressive on the rebounds. He used to be the slot guy that would take a beating. Now he's not doing that.
1: And how old is he? Uh, he's got to be
2: 25. So you say yeah. he's 25. Doesn't yeah.
1: play t- like he doesn't play that physical. Right? right. He's primarily a position player. For sure. When he goes in across the line, he's not taking a lot of chances in terms of no. getting run.
2: No. And he's hurt. And he's always hurt. There's like always something lingering. At
1: at, w- at what point does somebody that's both not a big pusher in terms of his personality or charisma with the team, how much he's actually able to accomplish – I mean obviously his points are phenomenal but like what do you want out of a top line center
2: right and that and that's that's the question that I want to get into eventually here is that like he may be a good player he may be very he, he in my opinion he's not elite but he's definitely like on the cusp right his IQ is is very elite I would say if anything if anything his IQ is the reason why he's where he's at but I think I think what we need is not him. And, and I think that's what it comes down to. And when I was saying trade him, trade him, trade him, people were like, what the fuck? Are you stupid? Like he gets 30 goals, 80 points, whatever. It's like, yeah, I get that. But if you put him on the Flyers, is he going to be on the first line? Is he going to be on the first line on the Islanders? Is he going to be yeah. on the first line no, uh, totally on Dallas? I agree with you. Like, yeah. So this is, this is what we've come down to. It's that the standard that we've, set with Monahan is maybe a little high for his cap, right? Yeah. And I think when I look at Monahan and Johnny, I think, okay, these guys are excellent individual players. Excellent. But are they going to be treated the way they are treated on the Flames as they would be on the Islanders or, or on a team that's going to be a competitor in the playoffs? Yeah,
0: I, I think for Monahan, you're looking at a guy who's probably – 20 to 25th in centers in the league, maybe even a little lower. He's not first line center on a team like Dallas with a Sagan, on a team like Florida with a Barkov, on a team like Toronto with a Matthews and a Tavares. New York Islanders, I think he is. Arizona, he definitely is. Anaheim, he is for sure. San Jose, it's close. It's really close in that one. Like, I think he's probably a better player than Couture for sure. But I mean, yeah, he's not in the top 15 centers in the league for sure. But getting one of those players is near impossible. And I mean, I've got an idea that we'll touch on at the end of the show, which, which speaks towards your point about Monahan. But, you know, especially if you're seeing things at the game that are indicating chronic injury problems... And you, I, I know you've said this because I've been here every episode that you've been here, sadly, for me. Yeah, it's, it's been 48. we found your replacement. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Why do you think Monaghan's better than Couture? Monaghan is better than Couture. How? Because Couture is a San Jose dickhead, okay? That's, that's all that needs to be said uh, about
2: that. you can got to go deeper than that. And, and, and he's not better than Barzil. Matthew Barzell. No, he is not yeah. better than well, Barzell. And he's Barzell.
0: he's not first he's first not first line on I owner. mean I'm taking I'm taking Barkov over Monahan. Yeah, but Barkov okay. is better than Monahan. Here's 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 why I'm telling you Monaghan is better than Couture. Okay, hold on, hold on. Before we do this. You think Couture is better than Monahan? As a player? I think at No, the end, as a human being, his, his fucking both, charitable yes, donation.
1: Absolutely, I think, Coacher. No, here the reality is that like I think if you look at the end of both of their careers, Couture's gonna be more memorable than Monaghan.
0: No, I don't think so at all. Monahan is more memorable than Couture for sure. Really? Yeah. How? He has a fake Twitter account named after him. True. That's an insult. What does Logan Couture have? Gucci Couture? Playoff success. <laughs> play playoff what what there is only one measure Western of playoff Conference success. finals at least he's gone There is that one second measure stage. of playoff success and that's lifting lord stanley's cup that's neither one true. of them can speak to that san jose can speak to it never true we can speak to it very at least valid. once. very valid but i mean like in terms of thinking about and i don't like to bring up that age-old argument couture's
1: couture's more skilled than monaghan is monaghan's a Monahan
0: might have I a better hockey ma- sure, sense, maybe but Couture's Monahan doesn't necessarily have the player. hockey skill, but I think he's a more complementary player than Couture. And if Couture has all this level of skill that you're purporting, he hasn't been able to elevate his team to that next level. It's typically been the players around him that have done that. Like a know, Pavelski, playoffs? Like, playoffs? A Thornton, like a Thornton, like a Marlowe, like a Kane. Yeah, but he hasn't been dynamite. And I mean, don't get me wrong, Monahan's been pretty absent shit in the playoffs. Absent. Yeah. Sure. But I don't know. I just I mean I I think I think Monaghan, yeah, I my, think Monahan will rack up more. My hometown gut just says Monaghan. I just feel I
1: I don't know. When I watch Couture, at least, like I feel more like when I've ever since I saw Couture for the first time, I was just like, this guy's actually going for it all the time. All the time. I got more of a sense from Crosby, from Couture, than any sort of skill level, like, level that I've gotten
0: from Monahan. I, I don't know. I mean, looking at Crosby right now, I think we're going to hit a se- severe decline no, because of his injuries. We might. we might. But, my God, he was good. He did it early. He yeah. had success early. He got the Pens Cups. Like, he got Canada that gold medal. That the good. guy has done everything he can do. And I like Crosby. Shout and out, and I know again, huh? a shout lot again. of people don't. Yeah. Iggy, yeah. Shout out, Shout out Iggy, indeed. That's but what we
1: need. We need Iggy to just drop retirement, find some, We like just don't have a player like Iggy chamber anymore. Chamber
0: of meditation. I mean, you look at the situation that Iggy had. Iggy had Iggy and a bunch of mediocre players and a goddamn good goalie Iggy, that we yeah, took to a Stanley I Cup win. I
1: do not know if I can think of a better captain in the history of the NHL than Jerome McGinn. Uh,
0: Eiserman was pretty good and like
1: the fire, but like if you think about Eiserman, no, a the the long that he had. was a really good captain, he in was his legit. Day. Thomas Volkun, Nashville Predators. Was he captain? Yep, no. he had the C on his jersey. Oh, I, I that's like that's disrespectful them. to Nashville, by the way. If you're on that team and they had to put the goalie as a the captain, they can already talk to the refs. That's it, just goes to show you how
2: ahead of the curve Barry Trotz was because that's all Barry, man. Very trots like don't laugh. He's got because he fucking has no res- reservations about the cultural aspect of hockey. If he thinks a guy is a captain, he's gonna make him captain. True that. Like a very bad Why was it a bad choice? Nash. He built Nashville what, what to do what, do what they mean? are now. Bokun was OG. Well, clearly something that we don't see. What screams to you about Monahan being a captain? Okay, what's Geo a suit? captain?
0: I mean, we talked about this last episode. Kudrow, well, Kudrow was not a captain. It upset
2: me. Who's a captain
1: on the Flames? I feel yeah, like, Gio. no, I feel like they're more assistant.
0: Backlund, is an a.
1: Backlund an a. shouldn't be an a. Kachuk is an a. Kachuk should be an A. Geo should be an A. K- Kachuk should be a
2: C. But ah, no, I don't know yet. He's, next, I don't, he's next. Kachuk is next. But I think Gio, he needs Gio, to grow up Gio's a little bit. Geo's obviously our... Yeah. Our guy, he's our captain. He deserves to be captain, frankly. I, so. I, p- I love Gio. I love
1: him. But I still feel like he, like, for a team that has their priorities set on Gaudreau and Monaghan, when you're a captain, I feel like the, a little bit of that coaching to get them into the game is on you. And I feel like Gio is more of, like, a good, good co-op assistant captain.
2: Could be. That's not bad. Uh, you know, I, I I can go with that. The, you need your good cop, bad cop guy too, yeah. right? I I mean, but there's something deeper on our team that we don't have. Yes. Right. I and agree so with that. the coach should be the bad cop, True. which I think Peter's kind of is. I think he kind
1: of is. He yeah. he's kind
2: of a dick he actually. Kind of like a,
1: he has a shitty face. <laughs> <laughs> when he looks at people, like you feel bad about like yourself. Like that guy
2: from the Wonder Years, like the yeah. dad. It comes in, like everyone's him. just like, fuck, like staring on the <laughs> ground at their fucking pencil cases. He's consistently cases. disappointed like, in you. Yeah, exactly. You'd be like, like, like Dad,
1: <laughs> I won the state championship. Yeah, you're he's like, just like, you're be stares like, at you. you know,
2: who cares? Yeah, bro. exactly. Curling Give me my beer. Sorry,
0: I I don't mean to correct you, but you do mean provincial championship, right? We're in Canada. Yeah, I know, but my uh, favorite team growing
1: up was Dallas Stars, uh, which Whoa, sadly beat lie. the Calgary Flames. Yeah, how does that feel? <laughs> the team that cares the least in the NHL right God. now beat the Calgary Flames because it turns out they care less. This is this is
2: this is a lesson in due diligence, Tyler. Yeah. You uh, who did you invite? Yeah. This, this is, is disgusting. This is, he's like he's like grabbing the microphone. I'm like, so yeah. excited right now. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ! Yeah,
0: before we get too out of control here, um, we have to talk about what's gripped the hockey world. Well, obviously Don Cherry. And all the surrounding media around that. But I mean, first of all, just wow. I cannot believe how that has blown up so incredibly to me out of proportion. I mean, if you're looking at it from a completely neutral point of view, a guy who was making close to a million dollars a year at 85 years old got fired for saying something stupid and now just gets to enjoy his retirement in his i don't know, Mexican villa or whatever it he is. He
1: doesn't even know if he's in Mexico anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like real. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, people. his firing doesn't matter. And I understand that it's a principal thing for a lot of people, but like Don Cherry is going to be fine. And I think I think you know what I don't even think it was the issue about it. It was just that Sportsnet was angling for a position to fire him.
1: They wanted and him out,
0: for sure. And I, you got, you got. If you're gonna talk, you got to ever you, ever you gotta since be close no, to the I microphone. Know. I kind of <laughs> wanted to make it a little
1: bit more theatrical <laughs> with the the distance, like as a fan. But I mean, the one fan,
0: yeah. I totally forgot my point now. Gotcha. God. Yes, this is my time. Just my time. I mean, Jank. Just yeah. Speak, speak to us, please. Tell us about Don. Don, what are you doing, man?
1: What are you doing? When you criticize a Russian player for being Russian, if you criticize
0: a European player for being a soft European player, I remember now. Ready? What happened to his seven-second tape delay? I would fire the guy who didn't be like, "This is where I need to cut him off," because he's like, "Wow, that—that's that, not good." No, that dude has the hardest job in the world for I the agree. history I, of watching you know Don Cherry Ron to try McClane and cut him too, off. Ron McClain, too, because Ron McClain's just sitting there; he has no idea what to do, and he's a seasoned broadcaster. Yeah, Pro- one of the most seasoned in the country. He should have seen that weather change. He but didn't. He's probably happy that he doesn't have to deal with Don Cherry anymore. Absolutely. Oh, he's just like every I'm time he save got on hometown job. hockey. And he was just talking with, like, a kid. He looked 10 years younger every time. Oh,
1: my God. He was like, thank Jesus. (laughs) (gasps) Rod, like, God. No, like, Sportsnet didn't want Don Cherry. As soon as they took over Hockey Night from Canada, Hockey Night in Canada, they didn't want to transition that salary.
0: Yeah. At all. Well, I mean, especially when you look at the fact that they cut – That guy who talked bad about Cassie Campbell. I forget his name. McLean. The guy with the gray hair and the glasses. And they cut Kiprios. Yeah. I mean, if you're culling salary, why don't you just be like, hey, Don, your time is up.
2: And Leah Hextall. They cut Leah Hextall. Mm. Total Uh, bullshit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, she's our hero, basically. Love you. She is. If I had a spirit animal, it's Leah Hextall. But, uh... (laughs) I mean,
1: Don, 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 what are you doing? Well, everyone's okay. upset about it.
2: Except for maybe me. I, I'm upset about it. Um, let's fix this here. I think I'm upset about it for way different reasons than everybody else, though. So I I know, like, his history. I know, like, he's, he's said some real stupid shit over the last 20 years. Has it been 20, It's probably 30 years, right? um my thing about this whole thing is that cancel culture kind of took over and dialogue ended pretty quick and that's my biggest concern so you know people are allowed to make mistakes people are allowed to say things that they kind of regret later like granted he doesn't regret what he says he's been adamant about his point of view i listened i mean i saw that rant on tv i was watching hockey night in canada that day um I kind of took it as he's just pissed at people that don't wear a poppy. And that's kind of how I left the room with it, and I just didn't care. And I think in fairness, I think Ron McLean took it that way too. That's why, And he gave a thumbs up at the end. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, he was nodding. So, y- you're talking about a guy for the last 30 years who goes to Vimy Ridge, who goes and, and hangs out with these veterans, He goes to all these small-town hockey places in Canada. He helps kids out. He helps out all these, like, charities and organizations. And I'm not saying this absolves him from saying stupid shit. What I'm saying is this guy gives back a lot to Canadians uh, in general. So he gives back to the hockey community quite a bit. He's one of the few personalities that goes often to these minor league games, minor league tournaments. He's always at the fucking Max Midget Hockey Tournament. He's always at the fucking Ontario ones. Maybe not the Quebec ones, but in general, he's there, and I think what the guy is—he's an ultra nationalist, and he's well—I'm—I'm not—you like, find it funny, but it's true. Like yeah, he's no just—he's an, he an ultra nationalist. There was an interview that came out. Uh, he was interviewed by CBC back in 1992 or something like that, and he was apparently approached by the Conservative and the Liberal Party to be a party uh, to be a candidate. Oh God. Yes, because he, he does reach out to a certain sect of society. Yeah, the, every, every society, that's why Trump won. He found that society and he sold to mm-hmm. them. So without getting into the politics of it, Don Cherry is an ultra-nationalist Canadian. And so when he says shit, it's always going to come off automatically dismissive to non-Canadians. Right?
1: But I think, I think at the same time, though, is that the difference between what he was alluding to versus what he typically says this was the specificity of it. For sure. When he goes, ah, uh, European players, they're soft. For sure. He's, he's not just talking about European people, but he's talking about European hockey well players. He's ta-
2: and he's talking and about non-Canadians, minorities, b- basically. But like,
1: I- it is still associated to hockey players. If he went sure. and he said, I hate Syria because they have bad hockey players, that's different than saying, I don't like Syrians. Sure. Whereas I feel like the last statement that he made was directly not, like it wasn't affiliated with hockey.
2: No, and, and that's, okay, and agreed with you completely. I think what the difference here is, is that every year he does something for uh, Memorial Day. Every year he does the video. Totally. Every year he talks about the poppy and all these fallen soldiers. He always sets aside, and he doesn't get much airtime these days what is he, 2 minutes 3 minutes and yeah. like he is sets aside like half that time every year in november uh, before november 11th whenever the dates land on and he always sets an homage to these guys yeah, and I, totally. I respect that part yeah. but agreed with you you know it's aside from hockey and his personal views gone in the way cuz the way he delivered it was mm-hmm. incredibly bigoted yeah but only because he has a history of it
0: yeah. If 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 yeah. if
2: Obama said that, no one's having a fucking problem with it. But in if fairness, is, the Obama fairness of Ob- Ob- yeah. Obama wouldn't say that. But my point is, like, if if Don Cherry said on TV, he said, "All you people who don't wear a poppy, I'm disappointed in you." Right. Because we've had a lot of soldiers die for our freedom. If he said it like that, would the outrage be as bad? Probably not. But I, th- well, I argue I, I, that. I, even I the argue that. People i think i think yeah yeah, i argue that i
1: think if you say but that's where cancel culture ruins a citizen as a canadian citizen you need to value what canadian citizens have right but
2: but that's but that's where we're cancel culture is ruining this like divide or sorry this this acceptable limit of what you can say so if i said to people you people and i'm by saying people i'm saying everybody you people who don't wear a poppy I'm fucking pissed at you because these guys died for us, right? I'm not targeting a certain audience by saying that statement, but because it's Don Cherry and we're super sensitive now, you can't say that shit anymore, right?
1: Yeah, I I, I just like I find the fact that like when he targets specific people, he's he's open and honest about that.
2: Yeah, might be a detriment to him. But But
1: like, as soon as as you say "come to the land of milk and honey," (laughs) that is uh, that
2: alludes to a specific (laughs) group, right? Yeah. But yeah, and all I just want to say is that, like, yes, okay, it had very (laughs) it had racial undertones. I don't condone what he did, but you're talking about a guy that literally spends like most of his life helping people and doing things for the hockey community. And helping out fucking veterans, and I think yeah, at least the exit needed to be a lot more respectful.
1: And I and I and on that point too, I think
2: the the, yeah, the yeah, ex- the I exit I needs to be respectable. I
1: feel like um, th- as as a culture, we do need to say it's okay to promote, for example, what he did when he was always remembering different police officers that have lost their lives. Yeah. Or people that have gone overseas and have lost, their and lives. that that's o- and that's always an emotional moment that was on Absolutely. Hockey Night in Canada. And he
2: always set that time as he had precious minutes, right? And, and, he and always and I set time aside. And
1: I, and I think the the branch off from that nationalism of like really rejoicing people that come from your place versus mm-hmm. blaming other people that aren't rejoicing. Yeah, people coming from and your place totally is kind of the the line that people toe, and especially when Sportsnet's been so. Adamant about going after as many populations as they can within Canada to promote hockey, whether that's through the indigenous language that they were using on some of their broadcasts or yep. um using yeah all those different languages they can use in the broadcast to promote hockey in different cultures, and then you have somebody that comes on here that represents a specific niche part of society like you said mm-hmm. and yep. and they they say something that sets people off it brings up more than just who don sherry <laughs> is for some
2: right and and that's and that's what it comes down to but there is a there is a underlying irony that i bet you a good chunk of the people who got outraged about this mm-hmm. aren't wearing a poppy right and how many of those people fucking set aside one minute on november 11th on a moment of silence. But that the not those, one of them. Those
1: uh, list of assumptions are the things that can sometimes upset people when. Oh,
2: well, how how ironic that all these assumptions toward Don Cherry was the same thing, and that's my point. And, right. and, and again, I don't condone what he did, because we all know. He unfortunately, he built a history of yeah, right, of controversy and issues against people who aren't Canadian. I'll put it that way, right? I, I'll, I'll leave it more generic because I don't want to get guy attacked. was alive during the Soviet yeah. series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, my God. <laughs> but, but he was the most, like, arguably speaking, probably put Canada on the map in terms of hockey uh, outside of Canada. He was the most popular figure out of yeah, Canada, frankly. Yeah, and I frankly, mean, you look at uh, the, outside of like the top
1: Canadian, whatever that contest was.
0: He was in there and he was like,
2: Yeah.
1: why are you guys voting for me? Don't
0: yeah, exactly bottom line and one word answer that's all you get should John cherry have been fired Jank? yes but better Whoa, yeah one word no I because thats bullshit. you get one word you get one word I'm fuck you Tyler <laughs> Mike
1: dismissed <laughs> I think he should have been dismissed good okay. one good one Good one, boys. He should have. I, I think he should have taken it. But like, I. He's we're done. Respectful we're not done. done.
0: We're not talking about it anymore. What's happened has happened. It's out of our control. I was always we upset. We you never watched my minor hockey weeks uh, S- in silence. Calgary, and it was silence. Silence. Okay, we're gonna go a bit into the fantastical here, and we've talked a lot about Johnny and Monty. So bear with me, but would you do this? All right. You're true living. You get on the phone with New Jersey and you say, Hey, Monaghan and Goudreau are on great contracts. Johnny's from there. He loves it there. Give him a chance to play there. Send us Taylor Hall, Jack Hughes. Would you do it, Mike?
1: Not Jack Hughes. Well, who? Okay. Well, I would do one for one. I'd do one of those one for ones for Hall. But I just can't like I don't know what it is, what stunts me from liking Jack Hughes, but replacing that type of player with somebody like Goudreau, I think just is the same issue you're gonna face in Cal I
0: think you're placing you're replacing Monahan with 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 Hughes, and Goudreau with Hall. No, it's a. And I, I think mean, you're you're banking on a bit of a, a bit of a future here. You think it's Hughes? Uh, Hughes, Hughes for, for Goudreau?
1: I, like here's so I don't. Here's here's how I kind of constructed it in my head. So, I would have picked Kako before Hughes. I wouldn't have. I would have. Just based was on the, the fact number of one what Goudreau is in the NHL,
0: a good player, irrelevant in the playoffs, irrelevant <sighs> with physical contact. How much? How much? How much? Does I that mean, ad- I'm you? almost playing devil's advocate here, but he hasn't had a lot of playoff opportunity oh. to be relevant. No,
1: he hasn't, and I and maybe he'll weigh more than 170 pounds in a year or two. But at this point, like for me, I look at Gaudreau as somebody that his major downfall is when it comes to people putting pressure on him in in terms of like the pressure situations. He doesn't pull through because he doesn't know how to handle it in terms of his capability.
0: I mean. Just the way I look at it, completely outside of the hockey sense, is that right now we're a fringe team, and we're playing fringe hockey, kind of a win here, win there, loss there, big loss there, win-loss, win-loss. Like Typically, by now, the Flames have had an absolute drubbing, and we've gone on a seven-game lose streak, followed by a nine-game win streak. That hasn't happened. It's just kind of been like loss, overtime loss, win, overtime loss loss overtime loss win overtime loss loss and that's been our record basically we haven't been able to stick like win 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 together even 3 in a row it's just kind of been consistently all over the map and i think you know what i do oh enlighten I'd me i do monahan for hall i don't think new jersey's taking that i just I, the like, realism of that is I, that they've it, got a ton of centers. I don't,
1: well, okay. Would they go for Hughes and Hall for getting Yeah, but yeah. And I don't
0: know if him? they would. But I, don't think I mean, they would. you're giving them, basically, you're giving them a center and a winger, and you're getting back a center and a winger. And okay. my yeah, argument and so you is you that give, if you give, if you give, you're giving them two bona fide, talented center, a uh, center and a winger who are both on amazing contracts. Calgary amazing is going to have to re sign Hall. Very true and is going to have to sign Hughes, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And New Jersey might look at that and say, this is a great opportunity for me to improve my team with a hometown guy, like Goudreau. And Monaghan's coming with him, right? And they're saying, Taylor Hall, he's from Calgary. Don't get me wrong, he's from Calgary. And Jack Hughes goes to Calgary with him. And then you've got a first line of either Lindholm in the middle and Hall, and you could even play Kachuk on the right because he'd do that. Yeah, That's a great line. I look at that line of Hall-Hughes-Kachuk or Hall-Lindholm-Kachuk. My God, I'm salivating over that right now. I'm salivating over that right now. And it's it's a line where you're looking at that and saying, that's something a little bit different than we had with Monaghan-Goudreau-Lindholm. But, I mean, Jenk, what do you think? Would you go for that? I would go for it, but I don't think New Jersey would. So
2: I think Calgary. that's, Calgary for sure would. I think if you look at the, if you look at the situation right now, you have, you have two guys that are essentially our star players, aside from Kachuk, and you have two guys that are stars on the other side. Now, when I look at this whole thing, like holistically speaking, we've had how many playoff runs with both Goudreau and Monahan? Three. And with those three playoff runs, we haven't really done much. Now, is it a reflection of their skill? Probably not. But are they playoff guys? So far, we haven't seen it. They need to pay dividends in that third run. They need to pay dividends in that Colorado series. I thought that was my, in my opinion, that was my cutoff point. It's like, okay, how much longer can we go on with this? So I'm all for a big trade. I'm all for a Goodrell monahan package. I don't know what the return's going to be. If, if New Jersey's all over a Hall's Hugh a Hull and Hughes trade, I'd be all over that too. But I think the reality is if you're going to try to get Hughes and Hall, you're probably going to have to give up a pick plus those two players. But that as a side, if there's any lesson we can take, and I know you, you love basketball, Tyler, but if there's any lesson we can take from another sport is that Masai Ujiri saw the same thing with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Toronto Raptors made the playoffs for two seasons, three seasons there. They couldn't get past a certain point. And then he decided to trade one of those guys. And it was met with criticism. But he got back Kawhi Leonard. And it was a bigger trade than that, but Kawhi Leonard was the target. And the guy was, he came in, they won a championship, and he left. And I think all three of us would take that, right? Yeah. Sure, and
0: sure. But, that I mean, it's not you, that read, you read, have you ever read Super Freakonomics or The Drunkard's Walk? It talks about the randomness in our events, and what's that guy's name? Usai, Us- Usai Ujiri. Usai Ujiri made a great trade. I would have made that trade too, but at the same time, it absolutely paid off for him. It absolutely paid off, and and not to not to diminish his accomplishment at all, that was the trade to go. But as well, like a lot of things fell in line for him. There were some injuries on that Golden State team, right, that were fairly substantial, trade. but. I, I take nothing away from the Raptors' accomplishment. Like, even I was happy by that. And basketball is not even a sport. It's a fucking stupid game. But it's aside good, from it's that, good. like, <laughs> yeah, he made the right decision. But I think, I think we need to make a kind of decision like that. I would echo that same what? sentiment where we could trade these guys and get something back. And no, I don't think we'd have to give away a pick for these guys. I don't think that. I well, think it, if you called up New Jersey and were like, Hey man, Hall and Hughes our way, Goudreau Monahan your way. What do you think? I think the what New you, Jersey GM like, says yes.
1: Like you just said. So, if we're going to make the comparison, I think to Raptors, which is a, I, a good comparison, I do believe that's in terms of what was happening with the Raptors and that, that state that they were stuck in. But who was on their bench?
2: Yeah, so that was Who my rose next up? point. That was my next right? Point. Yeah.
1: You had Van Vliet on the bench. Yep. So if you're gonna look towards trading away Gaudreau and Monaghan for another player and another player that are gonna fill the same role, all you're gonna do is replicate the same situation where you're hoping that a right winger fits in with that. Right. Or somebody fits in with that. If and this is where you're gonna look at me like an idiot, but I would oh trade damn. extra with New Jersey to get Miles
0: Wood and Blake Coleman. You know, this is the time of the, the night where we end the episode because we're going deeper than the second line, people. It's just we're gone getting off there. the rails.
2: But I think his point is that the Raptors have depth, whereas I don't know if our depth is anywhere near that. No. So our depth pretty much ends at second line. Right? So <laughs> if you, even if you make that trade, give me this fucking microphone. Even if you make that trade, okay, and I agree with you, I'm not arguing against this, right? As management of the Flames, like Treloving needs to look at the Flames and be like, okay, who else are we building this team around? And Kachuk is an excellent starting point. Yeah, it is an excellent starting point. So what Masai did is that he got all these other guys that were not drafted, but he brought in guys that were fitting certain roles. So in in hockey talk, this is basically like you need your enforcer, you need your penalty killer, you need your energy guy. Like, we need to make sure that we find these pieces in the puzzle because right now all we're doing is that we're taking high performers from our AHL team, which we've done the last two, three years. Manjepani's come out of it. Riddick has come out of it, right? Great fucking acquisitions if you look at it, right? We have Anderson, Shillington. Like, all these guys performed really well, but in reality, how many of these guys actually have fit properly? Riddick has fit well. Anderson has fit well. Manjipani is still trying to – they're still trying to figure him out, right? They're trying to say, okay, we'll give him a chance to second line a little bit. That's fine. But he's more of a third-line guy, right? Shillington, not working out yet, right? And then there's going to be other guys. Should be. Uh, we're unlucky with uh, – what's his face? Um, yeah, well, Jankowski is yeah. not working. And uh, nice <laughs> Klein's not working. And we did that stupid fucking uh, experiment with Lazar way too long. That didn't work. So what we're doing is we're taking high performers and hucking him into the team and hoping it fits. Mm-hmm. When in reality, we need to look at the roles and what do we want out of the first line? Yeah. What totally. what should the first line be doing? What should the second line be doing? What should the do third we, line And
1: how do we like construct those lines right. so that they're all effective? So
2: there's right. an opportunity to take those two stars. If you're okay with trading Goudreau and Monaghan, To build a team around that, it's like, okay, we brought back a hall, and maybe you bring back a hall and then two other guys that fit the system better than just a Hughes. Yeah.
1: And and I think,
2: yeah, I think that's longevity. What I was trying
1: to communicate was just the fact that the one for one swap can be effective, but if you're just swapping the same parts, then what are you really increasing? Chemistry. But how? A
0: shot in the dark, because that's what we might need at this but point. But wouldn't you
1: rather more information than a shot in the dark? Like, wouldn't you rather somebody yeah, that would, I would stand up and fight Jamie Ben, like Miles Wood fought Jamie's Ben, and it was a nasty But I'm not fight. giving
0: away Goudreau and Monaghan for a Miles Wood and a Blake Coleman. No, you're not. I'm sorry, I'm just you're not.
1: You're not, but who's more effective, a Goudreau in the... Pl- like in the late season.
0: A Blake a Goudreau is or a a Goudreau, Blake at any Coleman point and in time, a Miles Wood. Half of a Goudreau of is more effective than any of those fucking shitheads that really? you could pull from New Jersey. Yeah. Really? Like, yes. We're talking about elite level players here. Blake Coleman's good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you made me draft him in my fantasy team and he got me four whopping points. Woo! That might tip me over the edge, but my god, Bingo. the guy has no power play time and is on the third line and he's a great third line player on New Jersey. I don't know what that speaks for, but he's no Calcutter block. But I mean like
1: I just think I just think that in Calgary we've been the
0: only permutation is
1: incredibly, incredibly focused on the first line. Yeah, we and have we've absolutely. we've always been like, who's going to fit? Who's going to fit? Who's going to fit? But nobody we has. And we cannot give
0: first-line guys for second- and third-line guys. Because that's what we did with Phaneuf, and look how bad that turned out for us. Yeah, we got staging, oh and that Enough? guy plagued our that team forever. That is not
1: going to be the same trade that we're going to make with Goudreau please
0: stop, stop yelling the editing on this podcast is going to be awful like we're we there's no way we can edit that volume level
1: i know or jamal <laughs> Mayer's career but the reality is we got to just continue with it the I, we're not gonna what happened with FNUF was a
0: the reality is this podcast is over that's the reality and it's been a slice like we've had some great discourse tonight We've talked your ear off. And if you're still listening to this point, my God, we love you so much. What is wrong with you? Yeah. (laughs) But, like, wow. You know, I, I can say, I think I can speak honestly for all three of us when I say that this absolutely, just this podcast alone, has enriched our experience with the Flames. I mean, we've gone in depth. We've talked about crazy things about the organization from so many levels, from hockey on a national level. And, I mean, I enjoyed it. How about you? Yes, it was a great time. Jank, you can talk. Oh, he just gave a thumbs up. But I mean, Jank, thank you as always. Just, just scream something. you. Mike Harris, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'm sure you'll be back. Yeah. I have no doubt about yeah. it. I mean, the way you gripped that microphone yeah. all night, I don't know if you're ever going to leave. So.
2: No,
1: no. You got me fired
0: up about Blake. Holmes.
2: We're going to watch The Mandalorian now. I recommend everybody fucking watch that show.
0: Hey, right. I heard about that. If you watched it, by the way, in the cantina scene at the very beginning. Yeah, Boba Fett's in there. Yeah, so I, we're gonna have to check that out. Dang. He's earned it. I mean, when you get out of the stomach of the Sarlacc, you've earned it. Like, Fett. In my opinion, you've earned five years of just blowing it out, so. Thank you so much. <laughs>